Welcome to the Doing Cool Things podcast, a career podcast brought to you by the Knowlton Center for Career Exploration. I'm your host, David Snyder. Thank you for joining today's episode. Welcome back into an episode of the Doing Cool Things podcast. I'm your host, David Snyder. I am joined by two guests today. Very excited to have them both. Um, very excited to, to carve out the time. I know this is kind of the, this, the second time you've had some conversations with Dennis in the last couple couple months. So, um, you know, really thankful for uh, the time spent giving back to our students. My guests today, both from CSG Advisors, uh, co-CEO Tanya Dempsey, Senior Vice President Tiffany Barletta. Tanya, Tempsony, ha- Tiffany, how are you both doing this morning? Doing great. Thanks We're so much well. for having us. Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, I ask everybody to start, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I'll go first. When I was uh, in elementary school, I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up. I always thought that I would enjoy arguing for a living. Turns out that's not actually what I'm good at, although I do love a good negotiation. Um, I, I then thought maybe, actually at Denison, thought maybe I would be a environmental lobbyist where we could lobby big corporations to fund you know improvements or cleanups to the environment so that's that was what I wanted to be leaving Denison (laughs) that's fantastic Tiffany what, what did you want to be when you grew up I was steadfast on becoming a pediatric surgeon um, and then I took organic chemistry <laughs> and that changed my mind. <laughs> it, it gets a lot of people. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Dennison. Right. Um, yeah. So when I left, I was also an environmental studies major and I went to law school after Dennison and I thought I would be an environmental lawyer. So both both of you studied environmental studies while you're here, and and I don't want to spend, I guess, too much time on. You know, there's a lot of a lot of story between being an environmental studies lawyer and what you do now. But uh, I guess when you you think back as you were sitting in those classes, did you ever consider what you're doing now as a as a career path? Did you ever think that this is going to be something that um, is in my future? Nope, absolutely not. No way. <laughs> Which, which I, I'll, I'll go ahead, please. I really actually, that's one of the reasons why we want, wanted to reconnect into the Denison network was because when we were at Denison, now speak for myself, affordable housing was not a thing, right? And it wasn't, I didn't know that it was a, an industry or a carve out of an industry or anything of the like. So one of the reasons why I think it was really important for us to to reconnect was to spread awareness into the field that we're in. That's right. I think my awareness of the industry started about the same time that I started working in it. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's it not 
not uncommon. And I love that students can hear that. I mean, I never, I, I tell folks, I didn't grow up wanting to be an associate director at a career center at a small private liberal arts university in, in Granville, Ohio, by any stretch of the imagination. So, but it's worked out really well um, <laughs> in, in the long run here. So uh, can, can one of you just kind of quickly um, give our listeners that aren't familiar with CSG advisors, just a quick synopsis on the business and, and how it helps people? Sure. CSG advisors provides financial advisory services to municipalities and housing authorities across the country. So what I what I really mean by that is there's two distinct sides of the business. One side that Tiffany and I work in is the public housing practice. And in that practice, we structure transactions and we restructure assets so that they are viable for the long term. Uh, what that really means is we do construction and development on income restricted housing units. That's that's really what we do. And all of the strategy and processing and policy related to providing housing for the lowest income uh, people across the country is is that one genre of affordable housing. The other genre is multifamily and single family. And they there, what, what CSG does is help housing finance agencies or municipalities either raise debt, issue debt, um, restructure debt to be able to provide loans for, you know, down payment assistance or uh, soft grants for uh, housing that's part of different kinds of communities. So in both instances, we, you know, work on affordable housing, both, you know, single family. So, you know, you might be a first time home buyer, the loan that you get from the city or the state could be something that was structured by CSG. Or if you're just a, you know, a, a affordable housing developer, and you need tax credits or some other financing to be done with your local party, we may be part of that transaction too and help the agency get through or shepherd those projects. We also kind of dabble in some school construction financing and utility financing. My favorite story, just as an aside about what CSG does and all of the cool things that we do, is we actually worked on a dog hospital or a pet hospital in California with their municipality. And so we raised bonds in order to build it. And the facility is like super cute. It's got a actual slide for the animals to come down. It's like the coolest thing ever. But yes, yeah, so, so again, housing and public finance in that regard, that's you know really public finance is very broad. And there are multiple sides and multiple facets to it. And I think CSG does an excellent job, if I don't say so myself, um, of, of helping bring together multiple stakeholders to to help finance and bring these pet projects, no pun intended, to life. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, it, what are some of the biggest challenges in your work right now? And how, how are you both tackling those? I know a lot of people, you look in the news, you see housing crisis, housing crisis, mortgage rates. Is it is that similar to the, the biggest challenges in your current roles? Or is there something else that, that's maybe not in the news? I'm going to let you take that, mm -hmm. Tiffany. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I think everything that 
that we're seeing from a residential side is happening, you know, in, in spades in, um, in our industry as well. Um, you know, it mirrors, mirrors the things that, that you're seeing, you know, if you're buying a house now or anything like that. So it's, it's, um, uh, insurance costs, um, obviously interest rates, inflation, all of these things are impacting. So the difference, I think, you know, we're familiar, a lot of people are familiar with real estate development. And so, you know, there is this a whole affordable arm and there are other requirements because we're getting federal funding um, through, you know, HUD. And so there's a, there are additional hoops. There are, you know, more stringent environmental studies require or environmental uh, requirements and insurance requirements. And all of these things are are really impactful when the deal comes to closing because because of all these different sources that we're combining, um, a typical project may take a year or two. And so if you think back to like what interest rates were, you know, 18 months ago, it's a totally different ballgame. So I think that those are the those are the challenges. And so we're having to be very creative to solve those gaps. Yeah, I feel like every time I see something on the news, I'm just happy that we built our house in 2020. <laughs> like that wasn't a great time. To, no, like, exactly. Building, but like better than now. Yes. So, uh, you know, turning the conversation a little bit to like, uh, you know, just Denison. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the two of you were roommates at Denison. Is that right? We were not. No, no. Okay. We, we were, Tanya was a year older than me. So she was actually my big sister at Kappa uh, Alpha Theta. That's it. That's, I apologize. I, I was, I thought roommates on top of sorority sisters as well, but I clearly wrong. So I think we unofficially uh, probably lived yeah. together. Right. <laughs> yeah. So well, did you ever imagine that the two of you were going to work together? No. no. Yeah, so so how does that happen? Did did one recruit <laughs> other to CSG? Was it just happenstance? I, I guess I'm curious what, what the story is there. Yeah, I was working for CSG. CSG, you work from home. Everybody works from home uh, way before it was cool, before COVID. And we, CSG was growing at that point. And I used to go into the city to, you know, have meetings, have lunch, right? Be social because I was transitioning from working in an office five days a week to working from home. So going into the city and having like human interaction was like very important to me. So Tiffany had lived in the city and she had just had a baby. So I would go to her apartment and work from her apartment I don't know maybe like once a month or so and she was thinking about coming back to work from maternity leave and was expressing her desire to not want to go back to her job because of the long hours the travel the grind if you will and so I said hey why don't you work part-time for CSG? I could certainly use the help. We have a lot of work. And she was like, oh, okay, like, I'll try it. It's kind of how that happened. And then two weeks later, she was so helpful. I said, do you think that you can just come work for CSG? We have excellent health benefits. You can work from home. 
and you know thankfully she accepted um and she's been with us uh seven years is seven years typically yeah yes that's um you know that works perfectly right (laughs) that's uh, being able to see the the quality of work I mean obviously I'm I'm sure you kind of knew the the quality of work that Tiffany was going to put in Tanya but it's uh always different I guess when when you finally get to see it in the real world working together for the first time and uh no that's really really awesome that it's kind of worked out in that way the long hours the travel the grind um something that you know I think we asked students a lot here about like what type of life do you want to live uh what do you value in the workplace things that go beyond just the actual day-to-day work um Mm -hmm. and so just being able to hear that like that it was time for a change valued something different life changed is is such a good message um absolutely I think it depends on the the time you know where you are in your career mm -hmm. because prior to that I was working when when we say the city we're obviously we're talking about New York City um (laughs) it's the only city right (laughs) yeah elitist so we are no so we so I was working in midtown Manhattan I mean I did love my job it was like very you know looking back at the time it was long hours, but it was cushy, you know, meals and town cars and, you know, traveling globally and all of these things. But then, and that was great when I was younger, but then once I decided to have a family, I was like, how am I going to, you know, I think that, I think my daughter was going to be just a couple of months old and I was going to go, you know, to Europe. And I was like, I don't think I can leave my baby, nor do I really want to take a baby (laughs) on a, you know, transatlantic flight. Um, so so yeah, so I I was actually hoping to take a year off of work and just spend that first year with my child and and I was able to do that for about 8 months or so. <laughs> um but no, this it was it was really lovely and I do appreciate that time also with Tanya coming to help me um with the baby too. So I think it was it was mutually beneficial. That's like so um Gearing the conversation up a little towards like things that are a little bit useful to our our students as far as mm-hmm. like some practical advice. Um, can do do you have stories about managing twenty somethings? Is is the broad <laughs> question here? How much time do we have? <laughs> well, as much as you would like. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I would love to dig into that. Like, where what are the skills that you see among like? early career professionals, interns, um, where are their opportunities for growth? I mean, in terms of skills, I think they're, they come in with strong tech skills, just, mm-hmm. you know, they've grown up with, um, internet and phones and really dating myself here, but I think I, <laughs> for the first time at Denison. So, um, you know, that, that was not a thing growing up. So I think that, that is something that's really strong. Um, and then on the, on soft skills, enviable boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Like they just have, um, they, they're able to set these firm boundaries where I think, um, you know, in our generation, uh, it was just like you worked, worked, worked until, you know, you basically <laughs> fell asleep at your desk and got back up and started working again. Right. And so I think that's, that's something I, you know, I definitely struggle with. Um, and I think seeing that in in the younger generation, just having these boundaries is really it's impressive. Um, you know, it can be frustrating sometimes <laughs> as a manager, but I think it's it's something um, it's it's impressive. Yeah, I'm super envious of. I'm I'm just the right part of millennial to like understand boundaries and like 
deeply desire those, but I have too much guilt to actually like set them <laughs> in, yes, exactly. in a lot of areas. So, um, yeah, that's what, so what are some of the, maybe the misconceptions about managing early career? I mean, I, you see, I guess just out sometimes in the world that like younger generation, maybe lazy, uh, switch changes their minds too fast and i and i always push back on those things as far as like um you know i just don't think they're true but what are some of the misconceptions that you see or like maybe where are some of the things that like um students should be thinking of, what are some of the things that students should be thinking about coming into the workplace as far as how they can best position, position themselves for for future opportunities so i think that students should try to come into entry-level jobs understanding that the job is not glamorous mm. that is the number one piece of advice when you're an entry-level employee you are doing what i'll call grunt work it's not grunt work that's administrative, but it is grunt work. And it is necessary in order to learn the business. So I find that folks want to challenge. And, I, and I'll mm -hmm. use myself as an example. When I started my professional career, I had a number of nonprofit jobs where I was fortunate to have exposure to a lot of different specialties, right? And in that case, you are a jack of all trades and master of none. And I really liked that because it gave me a wide breadth of experience. But I also didn't like it because you don't actually get super good at anything. You're kind of okay at a lot of different things, right? Which has totally served me really, really well. But I was yearning to be an expert. And I think many you know, college students out there that are looking for their first job mm -hmm. want to feel that way too, want their job to fill their cup. And in some cases you that that you can you can have that. And in most cases you don't, right? So when I first started working in government, the government is an eight to four job, full stop, right? So even if I was hungry enough to want to crank it out, to want to grind it out, there really was no opportunity for me to do that. So I essentially felt underutilized. I felt hmm. bored. I felt all of these things because you know, the job that I had, which had excellent benefits and I was like learning a ton, I felt like I could do better. And I and I, I really feel like that's how you will feel when you get your first job. And so to me, it's really important that your job, and, and I think college students do an excellent job of this, by the way. I, I think Tiffany did a great job of describing what we're envious about. They have really good benefits boundaries. So an eight to four job today might be something that folks want because they want a life outside of their job and they don't want their job to define them. And I think that I wanted my job to define me. 
and was kind of chasing job after job after job until I found it. And it took, you know, 15 years to be where I am now and to finally feel like I'm in the job I was meant to be in. Right. <laughs> and that is not without its challenges. Also, it's the grass is always greener and you're there. And I understand this idea of like changing your mind. Like I, it's like buyer's remorse. Right. And I'm like, uh, great. The, the, there's a whole host of unintended consequences as a result of the decisions that you make <laughs> when you're in leadership. So, so I think it goes kind of both ways. Um, but that's, yeah. That's where I will stop. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, and we see nationally like that students or entry-level hires leave their first role within 18 months, whether it's because they've got promoted or they want to get into something else or they're going back to school and like uh, just knowing that it's like not forever and like it's probably not going to be glamorous as well. Um, like, yeah. It's good advice. Uh, you, have, you have to learn. You have to learn somewhere. And like, it's always the great, like you, you come out of college where you feel like, I was president of an organization or as captain of a team or had these leadership decisions and suddenly I'm right back on the ground floor. Uh, and it's a weird, weird dynamic to have to adjust to. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like you're a freshman all over again. You're right. That's what happens. Uh, so that that portion of your career, Tanya, where you said you were uh, those 15 years where you're like, wanted the work to define you and were like looking for that. Um, what, what type of factors were you considering as you were um, changing roles? Was it the actual role itself? Was it title? Was it uh, prestige that went along with it? Just curious what, what the motivational factors were for you? Uh, yeah, I think that it was growth in either within the organization or growth in the number of people that I managed or, you know, increasing, like I, I, you know, well, you, it is called the corporate ladder, but that ladder exists everywhere. So I would consider that like the government ladder. I felt like I was, I was trying to climb. So every, you know, year and a half, I think 18 months is a good example. I would change, I would change jobs. And it would be for a different, you know, either within the same agency, but a, a job higher up or, you know, where you're managing more, you have more breath, you have more autonomy until, you know, you get to the, you know, as close to the sea level as you can. And there's a lot of sea level government folks. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to kind of move from you know one place to another at least that's how it felt at the time so that yeah I, I think it was just definitely more managing people and higher up on the food chain Tiffany did you have a similar journey uh, across your career were you looking for you know quick jumps or had had you stayed at places for a, a longer amount of time no, I've, I've stayed at play. I, I mean, I've had the job at CSG for seven years. My job before this, I was there for nine years. Um, but before that I, I bounced around a bit. Um, I started in uh white collar crime. Um, I not, not, <laughs> let me rephrase that. I started in defense <laughs> of white collar crime. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I, I found out really quickly that that, 
Hey, crime podcasts are in, so like, we'll just transition. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so yes, I was, um, you know, uh, I found myself on a white collar defense team, and um, I, yeah, and I, I somehow I ended up working with the um, with the defendant uh, on a day to day basis. And that just, um, I think having that personal connection made it really difficult for me. And I was like, I, I just don't think, you know, like this, this is the work for me. Um, so then I did have, uh, at Denison, I was an environmental studies major and I also had a concentration in economics. So, um, my next job, which I stayed out for a long time was, um, an economic consulting firm. And so it kind of, uh, combined the the econ aspect, the law aspect, and it was actually um, we were expert witnesses for um, similar type of cases. You weren't searching for something more, which I think is like that. That's the I think the difference between oh, well, our paths. I think the difference too was that I was able to within that organization. I just kept taking on more responsibility. So I was finding myself doing, I was sort of a jack of all trades within the same company where I was bouncing around, but never actually leaving the the firm. Right. Right. So I I took on different roles there and that really allowed me to, um, to just learn so many things. Yeah. Uh, How have, when, when you guys think about your like managerial careers um, and like having responsibility for others, how have your management styles changed um, as you've progressed up the ladder? I, I, I love this question so much yeah. because it, it is an evolution. Mm-hmm. And so Tiffany and I have known each other for a really long time mm-hmm. and now worked together for a considerable amount of time, yeah. right? And I think even just over those, that period of time, we both have evolved as people, right? Yeah. As you would hope we would, right? As you get older, <laughs> you don't really want to stay the same. But I think I was heavily influenced by male alpha managers. So my management style was alpha male like hardcore there is no you know it it, there I was very rigid in that management style because that's how I thrived in my you know my career and that's actually what I thought good management was right is this just very type a male management style and for those of you who don't really know what that is, it is right not personal, mm-hmm. very harsh, very curt, to the point, no bullshit. And that actually is very when a when a man does it, I guess it's okay. At least this has been my experience. But when a woman when a woman does it, and particularly a woman of color does it, it's very off-putting. So throughout the course of my career there have been really just there I have I'm very polarizing as I like to tell people either you kind of love it or you really hate it and there isn't actually any in between so so I would say that that was the dominant management style 
in the beginning of my career. I mean, I have managed like 250 people <laughs> in one department, right? Like I, it, I have had, you know, small teams, big teams, medium-sized teams, right? I'm very comfortable with a team of 50. I would say that's probably yeah. like, that was my sweet spot. Um, but, you know, in, over that period of time, I think when people understand what your management style is, it's very easy for people to react and to excel and adapt to it. And as you, as I've gotten older and the team has gotten much smaller, that approach doesn't work, right? It, it also isn't supposed to work, right? So there's right. management styles that are, are geared toward different demographics of people, right? So if you're new in the organization, you should want someone who's like super heavy handed because you don't know what to do. So for, you know, a, a college entry, you know, lower level, entry level employee, that is actually the appropriate management style, right? And, and so as that person grows, the management style should evolve accordingly right? Because that person, you want to give more autonomy as they grow and you kind of want to get out of the way. So I'll use Tiffany as the example, right? So she's, we started, you know, seven years ago and she's very honest, right? She didn't know affordable housing. So we did a lot of stuff together, right? And then now she's a senior vice president and like she has, she has her own clients. She handles her own workload. She now manages a ton of other people. It's like, she's, I, you know, I trust her judgment. She's great. And so I don't need to be heavy handed because she's amazing. And now she has to be heavy handed, which I know she does not like with other folks who are entry level, because, you know, it's like you, you, you kind of have to evolve to what you get. So I, that, you know, and, and to be more kind of emotionally intelligent related to like mm. what people need and nobody's the same. So like, this is the other, like the other little tidbit here is that nobody is equal, mm. right? Mm. You want an environment that's fair, but not equal because people have different strengths and weaknesses yeah. and, and you don't want you don't want someone to put you into a box and treat you in one way, even though you have these unique gifts, right? You want your boss to be like, I want to do all of these things to promote your unique gifts mm -hmm. and we'll help augment the stuff that we don't actually, that that's not actually, you know, super in line with how everything else is because you have these unique gifts. And I think that is a strength of leadership, not a deterrent. And so th th again, I think it's, it's not just management, but it's like corporate culture and you want everybody, like everybody has a unique ability. We're just trying to figure out what those are and treat you in that unique, in your unique ability. If that makes sense. It does. I love, I tell a lot of students that I'm like, my least favorite interview question is like, what's your biggest weakness? And like, I get like, okay, you can have a moment of honest self-reflection and you should know where you should grow and things like that. But also no one gets hired for their weakness. Like if you're using that as your barometer, um, it, you, just to your point, everyone's got a, a unique gift, a, a place where they thrive and you want to, you know, find and, and grow those. So, Absolutely. I yeah. think that that evolution of management, it, I agree with Tanya, it's, <laughs> it's become more flexible. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just in a society today where culturally, where, you know, where we really are, um, we want everyone to succeed. And I think that that is something that has changed. That's a huge shift from, 
you know, the two decades <laughs> that we've been in the workforce. <laughs> but I think there, you know, we realize now there is room for everyone. I think when when we started our mm-hmm. careers, we were, you know, we may have been, had we been in the same industry, we may have been going against each other. And now right. we're doing everything to build each other up and, and our team. And I think, um, you know, I really focus on professional development and I say this all the time, um, you know, to our junior staff that I want you to succeed anywhere, not just here. That's and right. That's, you know, that's really important. And I think that, that, um, that that's probably something for the students to to really um, think about when they're starting a job is that no one is against you. Everyone there wants you to succeed because if you succeed, I mean, it, you know, it's it's a success for everyone. Right. Yeah. And and that's a- actually a criteria. I would say that that would be a criteria in looking for a job. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a zero sum game. And actually, as you were saying that, Tanya, about it being a, a criteria, I was just curious, what type of questions like in the interview process should somebody be asking of the interviewer um, to make sure that it's a place that prioritizes professional development, to make sure it prioritizes um, that we're all in this together? What are some interesting questions that we've gotten, Tiffany? Um. I think we throw people for a loop. As Tony said, it's it's become more it's become more um, more widespread. But because we are uh, remote, I think that is a big um, a big adjustment for for students, particularly coming out of college. Because you know you're surrounded, you have roommates, you're sur- you're mm-hmm. on campus, and then you're like in your apartment or whatever, <laughs> like staring at the screen all day talking to no one. But um, I think that, you know, trying to figure out um, when, when you start the job, like what is the culture? What, what are the hours? Um, What, you know, what, what are there activities that the team does together? Um, You know, we try and do all of these things we have. um, uh, You know, what, I think people have asked us like how, how you grow in the firm. Um, What supports do you have? what supports do you have mm-hmm. to help professional development is a mm-hmm. good question. I think to mm-hmm. ask along the lines of where Tiffany was going or, you know, um, what's the expectation on work-life balance is another good question for culture. Um, and then I actually, I don't know necessarily that it's a question as much as it's a feeling. Right. Like I, it's akin to dating in some ways (laughs) because you want, you like, you know, when, when either, when we're interviewing someone or someone is interviewing, like it's also, they're interviewing us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we want to make sure that we are conveying that we are flexible and that we care because we actually do care. And I think that's a defining quality of an organization is is not just saying you care but actually caring right and that's a feeling that someone should get when they are around us or they're interviewing with us so i would be very mindful for you know do you think like like and this might be slightly unprofessional but do you want to hang out with that person right is that like, do you think that person is kind of cool? Because that person is going, you are going to spend a lot of time with that person. So much. <laughs> yes. 
And you should like that. Like, I think that, you know, if you like people that you work with, I think you do produce better because you're invested Mm -hmm. in folks. And we take fit very seriously at CSG for that reason. We're super small. And if like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to use a Kappa Alpha Theta reference, but in, in some of the uh, initiation ceremonies, Mm -hmm. there's this thing where you're holding a glass of water and you drip one drop of black ink into the water and the water turns black. Right. Because every, even if it's just one, it taints Mm -hmm. everything. And I think that's a really good analogy for, you know, if you're in a workplace and there's, you know, something that you really don't like, like, you have no idea how much that particular thing can influence your day-to-day life. So just being kind of mindful about, you know, kind of what your triggers are and also what that organization's culture is and how you feel is really, really, really important. Like, again, Tiffany and I said this when we were on campus, it's like, I can teach you how to do Excel. Mm -hmm. Tiffany can teach you how to do project management. We can teach you the HUD rules. We can teach you about affordable housing. I can't teach you how to care, right? I can't teach you how to show up. I can't teach you how to, you know, how to be part of this community. You have to want to do those things. And if you want to, and you're eager and you're hungry, then, you know, you've got a shot. That's kind of how we look at it. And I know that that sounds super hokey, but it's, it's kind of true. We, you know, we are trying to build that kind of environment. Seven years ago, we had a junior analyst who um, we were very heavy handed with, sometimes a little bit too heavy handed. um, And we both have grown since then. But she actually left us. She went to another organization. She was like a development manager. She did super well. When she changed jobs, she asked us for a reference. And we, she actually ended up working for a former client of ours across the country. And, and, and that to me was a sign that we were doing something right because she changed jobs twice and still came back to us and said, working at this job was the best thing for me because I learned a ton and, you know, your management style versus, you know, her, our male counterpart, which Mm -hmm. was her next boss. She was like, man, totally different. And working for you guys helped prepare me for that. And that is actually, that's a sign of success to me. So, so, you know, I think this is your life and you should pick jobs because they enrich you. So that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) Well, and I, I I know this, this one's very long winded, but I, I would encourage students as well. I know that everyone is eager to get that first job. But, but do look for a good fit because you do want to be learning and it is difficult sometimes to do that, um, you know, in an environment where you don't feel secure or that, you know, your best interest um, is, is a, at heart, but yeah. And just to, mm-hmm. just a point on what Tanya was saying, I think that, that that's definitely like, I think we had spoken to some students there who were. Um, discouraged from taking internships because they thought they didn't have the skills or yeah. or things like that. But the technical skills can always be acquired. Um, you know, if you've gone to Denison, 
<laughs> you know, you're intelligent, you can yep. pick it up. Yep. Um, but the, the, the real thing I think that I've taken from jobs and maybe I didn't know it early in, in my career is just like relationships and connections are paramount. And whether that's connections you're making at Denison today, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily even with students, if it's at the career center or, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a professor might have, you know, somebody that's looking for someone, a new hire. Um, so I think just, just taking full advantage of those relationships and then throughout your career journey, um, just strengthening those relationships. Now, I think it's a lot easier with LinkedIn and, um, you know, just keeping in touch with, with folks and don't burn bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Especially don't burn bridges. Because especially, you know, like even in our, in our industry now, I mean, it is tiny, like you can't throw a stone, (laughs) like you know, outside. Um, and so I think that, um, I think, you know, you're going to see this person later or they're going to come back or maybe they're going to have your dream job. And it's like, you're, you know, I think that that's one of those things, just don't burn bridges. And um, yeah. Yeah. These um, so many, so many places I want to, I want to take that, uh, those conversations. Um, The don't burn bridges thing especially holds true as you think about that, that, that story as far as somebody left the company they're at a competitor i mean or with a former client i should say uh with another client and it's it's so it's such a small world that those relationships are always going to come back around somehow um now getting into this like portion of my professional journey and like asking friends to like talk to students or like hey can you like potentially like uh give some tips on this this thing and these are people which college with high school with and it's like and the world is just so small and we're all like at the point now that we're like able to give back in a different way. It's just, it, you know, I'm kind of beating a dead horse there, but don't, don't burn bridges. Relationships matter uh, as far as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your job, you know, should be fulfilling, but yeah. it's not, it's not, it doesn't define you. Like, yeah. I think that that's like another, mm-hmm. you know, super good lesson to learn and and look you're gonna fail yeah that's like i think the third most important reality you're gonna fail a lot in the beginning i mean i feel like i still fail plenty of times maybe every day now right like Mm -hmm. it is it is hard to be in the workforce to put yourself out there to take risks and to fail and every, it happens to everybody, you're not alone. But I don't think that striving for perfection is, it doesn't exist. So, you know, I think kind of give yourself some grace and, you know, be in your job and do a good job, but, you know. Yeah. Those okay. moments of failure, that's, that's where you grow. Mm-hmm. That's where you learn. Yeah. Yeah, take take yourself seriously. Maybe maybe not yourself always super seriously because there's no such thing as a perfect job. And if you put all your kind of value in the the work, so to speak, and it's not perfect in the day to day, you know, just slingshots back in a in a way that's not always healthy. But uh, what what are some of your favorite stories of, with working together? Oh man. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to tell Tiffany's favorite story. Yes. Tiffany has a favorite okay. story. I'm going to tell this story. Um, <laughs> I won't be able to she... say it without laughing. So, 
<laughs> no, I know, I know. So, so, so Tiffany and I were once at a client's and we needed to present at the client's board of directors meeting. And we were supposed to meet my mother and my aunt for lunch immediately after. And this happened a couple of years ago. I don't know, maybe it was earlier in our career. So like maybe six years ago or something, five or six years ago. And so uh, we were meeting with a client and walking over to the board meeting. We had like, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes. So Tiffany and I were going to catch up on some other clients and then head over to the board meeting. So we're walking out of the building and we hear like yelling and Tiffany and I keep going because we're obviously, you know, it's no one we know and we're on our way to the board, right? Like it's like, we're. We're, we're in like professional business yelling. mode. Yes. Yeah. Right. And there's the yelling gets louder and closer and louder and closer. And it feels like people are chasing us <laughs> and we turn around and it is my mother <laughs> and my aunt who have come <laughs> two hours early for lunch to like <laughs> wait for us. Your mom showed up to your job. It's fantastic. Tiffany, we laughed. Because, like, again, it's like, you're, like, we, you know, it it was like a, we thought it was like a resident. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it was my mother. And we laughed very hard for a very long time. We tell that story all the time. Because, right, like, it's, 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 because this is real life. And, you know, you get embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God. Like, they're going to see this on the on the entry video of us, like, running away right. and then realizing <laughs> my mother. It's horrible. But also I, very funny. Absolutely. So. I, I hope there's video of that somewhere. And just, like, see, oh, I like, know there speed is. up. That's... <laughs> no, literally, I was like, I think someone's chasing up. And it was, they were. It they was were, right, yeah. It was insanely yeah. ridiculous. I know, Tiffany, that's your favorite story. It is. We still have that client, by the way. Did not deter them. <laughs> no, it did not. No, I mean, again, there's a human element to it's this, a, right? Yeah. Of mm-hmm. like, this is what, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. This is where you, you know, this is where you come from. Total, total, total stalker. That's fine. <laughs> so so what what did they do why you had the the client meet? did they like get to watch or was it just like we'll just go somewhere else for a couple a of hours question. yeah no they they were sitting in a waiting room that's just sat in the waiting room yeah i, I don't know oh, i don't know what so she good. was hoping oh. to accomplish mm-hmm. but she just kind of sat in the waiting room i mean the, the irony is that the meetings are public right the sure. board meetings are public so like presumably she could have come into the board meeting right and sat in the back and that was absolutely not going to happen like 100 percent not going to happen I, I was like i don't understand like why are you two hours early for lunch like i don't what's happening right. oh. anyway. I, I love every part about thinking about that no, entire I mean, experience yeah and the best part is I've obviously known Tanya's mom since um sure. since college. Jenison, so like, since Jenison. Yes. Right. So it is. Yes, it was very funny. Oh, a real that, full circle mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. It's got everything. (laughs) (laughs) So did the, did the meeting go better or worse than expected after that? (laughs) Did that put you in a good mood? Like, or or was it just like, Oh, I can't believe this happened. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, yeah. I think we laughed it off. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we laughed pretty hard because yeah. it was like so really insane did. and ridiculous. It was really, really ridiculous. <laughs> so also having to tell the client that like my mom showed up, right? Because again, it's like you're on camera. Like it's, there's no, you know, yeah. it was very, it was, it was, it was quite funny. So that's probably the best, uh, work drama funny experience fantastic well yeah, that i don't know that we're gonna get any better story than that in the so, yeah, I, so i love it I, I mean i have another if you want another oh oh please, i have another have... I, i'll give you one more and um i actually Tiffany, I think that we talked about, so, so we, Tiffany and I travel a lot. We go to a lot of conferences. We were just in Chicago at affordable housing live with like 1200 or 1500 other people. Um, and we were talking about the podcast Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I'm going to end up telling the story about how I was interviewing at a school in a skirt suit and fell down the stairs like tumbled down the stairs at an interview that's another like oh, no. oh man that's a real life and that you is know, real life I got a second i got a second interview and not a third i think he really felt sorry for me because you know one of the questions that you had on here is like how do you stand out mm-hmm. you fell down a flight it's, of stairs. yeah like, that's what happened i fell down a flight of stairs that's how i stood out i got a second interview um i did not get that job but yeah that's my other horrific job interview story mm-hmm. that, not as fun as my mom but but equally embarrassing real and real yeah. that's mm-hmm. crazy things happen in interviews maybe not always that crazy yep. but it's a real yeah. experience <laughs> do you want to share some stories tiffany do you have any any good ones here oh from i mean no i'm thinking of our travels mm-hmm. um we yes no we we I feel like we're these are our stories that are on replay but uh, we were just in New Orleans for a conference and we had gone to the same conference in the same you know venue um a few years ago and we were with a client and Tanya and I asked our client who again has been our client since day one still at our still our client he's moved to different uh companies but we asked him to take a photo of us in New Orleans and he said I only take photos of beautiful things and we were like what are you talking about so he meant he's like a landscape photographer but we're like that is the rudest thing that anyone has ever said yeah but it was our clients and we're like oh oh, okay we can ask a stranger like (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. I forgot actually our best story but I'll make it brief but essentially we were leaving a client meeting we both had like you know children's school events to get back to I was trying to catch a flight and we got a flat tire and we were in the middle of nowhere in Delaware and it was like 459 so like nothing was open we called we tried um we called called. what yeah we We ended up calling yeah I called 911 we called the police yeah 
And they came and changed our tire, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was we waiting. We tried all the other avenues, and they were yeah. like, nobody can get to you for, like, you know, two hours. Two hours. That's oh, unacceptable. Like, we need to get to these other things. <gasps> so we tried to change the tire ourselves first. And that was interesting. I mean, same, like, in a, you know, skirt suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. D didn't. With the wrench, it's trying to take the, it was, <laughs> yeah, I mean. And I took video of Tanya doing it, and I circulated to her entire team. So she really loved that. That's... I literally was like, instead of helping me, you took a video. Like, right, right. <laughs> that's if that's not true friendship. No, I mean, I she was exactly like red business suit and like trying to change Yo, this tire, and it, it was kind of like a badass. I was like, look at this. Well, I mean, it was it was unsuccessful, but it was a great effort. Way unsuccessful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That happened. I was just yeah. waiting for your mom to show up and like just be no for that, right? real. I wish that like right in that case, I wish she should he like she, she would have saved the day. Exactly. Right contact, she would have saved the day. She was a few years too early. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, I love real work stories. That is, I mean, it, it just. LinkedIn, networking, all these things are great. Denison's great. Everyone holds up stories of the success and like we should, like we should always celebrate others' success, but like it's just real and it's real people doing work and that have stories like that. And that to me is like, I don't know, just the beauty of the whole like Denison experiences when people share stories like that, because I think it, it lessens the pressure for our students to know that it's just like we're just all doing the best we can <laughs> in a lot of ways and uh sometimes blow out a tire and have to go 911 and that's just doesn't make your career any less successful uh just because there was that actual literal and metaphorical road bump so yes yeah mm -hmm. road bump right <laughs> so <laughs> that's fantastic so uh any any parting words of wisdom here before we uh, jump off or no we, we've we given all of our yeah, wisdom all the wisdom. well we certainly appreciate that um thank you so much for the the, the real stories that that's so good <laughs> so um i hope our students enjoy them as much as i did or even half as much as i did because i enjoyed them tremendously so uh <laughs> really, 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 <laughs> yeah really really appreciate your time your advice your wisdom your humor uh today i uh, can't wait for our students to be able to listen to this um students if you are interested in what tanya and tiffany are doing uh be sure to look them up i'll pop the link to csg advisors um in the description of this episode so you can check out all the uh, cool things that they're doing there. Uh, Tanya, Tiffany, thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you for joining the show. And on the meantime, keep on doing cool things. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Mm -hmm.